0: Coming up on the Money Beat podcast, Wells Fargo's CEO took another heated grilling down in Washington, D.C. this week. And Deutsche Bank shares on Friday go on a wild ride. What's it all about? That's what we're going to talk about next. This is Money Beat from The Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Steven Grosser. Hello, everybody. Paul here in the studio. Stephen is not with us today. We bumped him. So that we could have in uh, some of our our people who actually know some things about what goes on in the world of the markets here. Oh, that's not fair. That's not. It really isn't. Hopefully he never hears this. Um, So who we have brought in today, because today we want to talk about, uh, you know, maybe you've heard a couple things about the banks this week. Wells Fargo in the news, uh, Deutsche Bank in the news. And we wanted to kind of talk about those. We want to talk about Wells first. Uh, CEO John Stumpf back up on on Capitol Hill, getting another severe grilling. To talk about that, to break it all down, and talk about what happens with the bank next. We have with us today, uh, my friends Eric Holm, Dave Riley, Aaron Lucchetti, and Holm. You were point. You were on point for our Wells Fargo live blog yesterday. I was very impressed with. I was watching you work. Uh, I was very impressed with how you went about that. What were your What were your broad impressions of the the congressional hearing? Well, in some ways, um, it was even more intense than the first one. I'd say. I mean, it it,
1: it was first of all, it was longer. Um, it it went on for a long time, and and each one of these congressmen uh, and women wanted to get their licks in. Um, and man, there were many many calls for uh, for John Stump's resignation. Um, you know, we, we don't know whether that's going to amount to anything and, and, or how much weight those people have, right. really. And this was the House this time, right? Right, right. Um, last week we had Senate. the Senate, um, and uh, and that was uh, notable for Elizabeth Warren um, really lighting into to John Stump. Um, And calling for his resignation. Uh, This time it was- um, The Senate. The the, the House. The House, House. right. The people's chamber. And we shouldn't focus just on the Democrats either. There there was um, both last week and this week, there was some um, uh, broad unanimity from both sides of the aisle that Wells Fargo had um, really messed up over the last few uh, years. But we should probably fill our listeners in on what it is exactly they've been accused of.
2: Eric, Eric, this is Dave. Um, Dave. One thing that sort of struck me, though, is, and maybe just different people, is, like you said, it was really intense yesterday, it was really long, but I didn't feel like it had the same... Fever pitch around it as the Senate hearing did. It it sort of felt like we'd heard all this before, so it was regurgitating it a bit. It was the Senate where it was the first time and the most intense questioning seemed to happen.
1: Yeah, that might be, it might be that since we heard it once before, that um, you and I might be a little less uh, shocked by. The intensity of the grilling the second time around. I think as well. also
2: we should note that it did invent. Uh, we came. We heard a new verb yesterday. I don't know if you remember that. Which Absolutely. was uh, chair the the House uh, Committee Chairman Jeb Henselring uh, came up with the verb. He told John Stumpf, "I know you've been warned already, so I'm not wow. going to warn you." Did
3: he really? Is that, that, did. A, legal, is that a new legalistic term? <laughs> that, it, of like course Miranda he was referring
2: there to uh, Senator Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren, yeah. the uh, Democrat from. Massachusetts, who completely flayed uh, John Stump the week before. And
1: uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but said he should be in jail. Isn't that how she I, included I, I think she
2: said that he should resign, give back every cent he'd earned, and... Uh, be, uh, uh, and, investigated. And be, be investigated. Be well, investigated criminally. He, so, uh, he, so she was, yeah, just. He, he, yeah, not blight. quite in jail. She, she stopped
1: short of that. He, he did. But Forfeit. people yesterday said he should be in jail, so, you know?
3: Pretty much. I mean, you had a lot of political theater uh, Absolutely. yesterday. But backing up for, for um, listeners who haven't heard much about this, the reason John Stumpf is being repeatedly brought to Washington for these public um, shamings is that his bank uh, gave millions of unwanted accounts to customers without their knowledge. So uh, mainly to generate more cross-selling products and some fees, um, a, a big no-no, though. And, and Stumpf has been in sort of serial apology mode for the last two or three weeks.
2: Well, And, 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 that's... and I think it's important to note, too, that before, I mean, one thing that was different also this week from the Senate hearing was when John Stumpf went to the Senate hearing, he said, I'm sorry, I'm accountable for this. But he didn't really have much
3: concrete to give the senators. And he didn't really own it. I mean, he he said that a lot, but he also, in the first hearing, did a lot more of all this bad stuff you heard about, that's not really us. It's just 1% of the people. Our culture is fine. We had some bad apples. That whole... Spin was pretty much flushed out, and he the actually had right. some and, and more the, ammunition. Dale, and I think the Getting yeah,
2: so get into is that uh, two days before the hearing, the board came out and said they were clawing back forty-one million dollars of his compensation. So he was able this time to go and say, you know, look, th- this has affected me. And uh you know I mean, I guess it's you know some people have joked that uh it's nice to be in a position where someone can take forty one million dollars of your compensation. And you still have plenty left over, but i think in in anyone 's book forty one million dollars is a big number and, and the well, bank and, is forty one
0: was forty one was a big number, especially big for in the banking industry. I know we had one post where they were saying. You know, you've never really seen this in the banking industry. You have to kind of look at other industries to see clawbacks of this size. So the the, the question then becomes: Is is this an outlier? Is this a one off? Or do, does you know? The culture of the banking industries are changing where high executives are held more directly responsible for what happens underneath them. Yeah,
3: that's a really good question. I mean, what we saw the board do with its clawback of Stump's $41 million in in stock awards and the clawbacks from from a different executive of $19 million is with Stump, it was sort of an attempt to – have more job security. Most of the time when we've seen clawbacks, it's after the fact. It's after someone's been fired, after they've resigned. The whole idea of a clawback, why they became pretty popular with regulators and bank executives after the crisis was you had all these traders and executives who made millions, tens of millions of dollars in 2005, 2006. Then they went on to something else. They retired. They went to the beach. And then only later did we find out that everything they did in 2006 and 2007 turned out to be a disaster and lost the bank lots of money. So in situations like that, the bank said, you know, it would be nice if we could go back and not just pay people big paychecks and then walk away, but see how things play out over three or four years. And if it turns out really bad, or if it turns out they broke the law or did something fraudulent, we can go back and get some of that money that we gave them. Yeah.
1: So wait, how does this help his job security? Just finish that thought. Well,
3: in, Stump- in Stump's position, he hasn't left the bank. He's still right. there. And one of the big uh, criticisms of Stump was that he threw 5,300 mid-level and lower level employees under the bus. Wells Fargo fired five thousand employees for this conduct over half a decade, but stumped didn't suffer at all and and so in the first hearing with Senate and and Elizabeth Warren and other senators, they said, "How come you don't have any skin in the game? Why aren't you suffering because of this you know terrible situation um, you you still have all your money, you still have your job and so five or six days later, the board with stumps approval um, said well, maybe you shouldn't have all that money.
1: And that, that snuck under the radar, by the way. They, 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 I think they, we agreed they might have said it twice during the hearing, or he might have said it twice during the hearing. He, that was his recommendation to the board that, that they claw back that money.
3: Yeah, um, and I think the reason he's doing it is because he wants to hold on to his job and he wants to show some accountability that he's, that he's feeling the pain of, of everyone else uh, in the organization and the customers and so on.
0: You know, what does this say about – you look at what Wells has been – what they did in in this situation, and everyone agrees that it was a terrible thing. What does it say about the the sort of wider environment that these banks are operating in? I mean, you know, when – Look, to to say, you know, I'm using air quotes, times are tough for banks is, is definitely a relative term. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, these guys are all kind of clawing and scratching to get business and to find ways to generate profits. And, and I think, not to excuse what they did, but some of this, I think, is driven by that. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, what does this say about the sort of wider environment that these banks are operating in?
2: Well, I think you're right that it's, it's a tough environment for banks, so there's a lot of pressure to get what revenue they can, where they can. But I think you have to step back a little bit from that, because actually the truth is, with the activity that went on in Wells Fargo, and the, the bank has said this, they didn't really make money off of this. Um, you know, opening a checking account for someone and then that has no money in it, and then closing it three months later actually loses the bank money. Yeah, that's So true. it it was more. I think with this, there was a philosophy that we want to cross sell products because we want to be deeper in our customers' lives, which makes perfect sense. I mean, you know, I think. Cross selling has gotten a little bit unfairly tarnished here. You know, let's not forget we all go to supermarkets. Supermarkets are the epitome of cross selling. You know, we used to have a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker. Now we just go to Costco. So that that was sort of they were trying to do something similar here. But the sales culture that grew well, around well, that thats what, is I'm what became a problem. Yeah,
0: not, not so much yeah. that this helped their corporate bottom line, but this was a lot of individuals doing. Well, this I think right. that the thinking was For ultimately it
2: will help their corporate bottom line. Because the more you know, what they don't want is you, Paul. You have a checking account with us, but and say you're Wells Fargo. But then you go take your mortgage from Bank of America. They were like, "Well, right, we we should, you know, we should, we can provide all that. So why don't we?" Yeah. So and it's just the but the the whole sales goals,
3: the incentives that were built in right. seem to have exactly. gone off the rails. And, right. and the off the rails part was the side effect, the unwanted side effect that didn't make them a lot of money. But the same push, the same aggressive drive that got. Um, tellers and and personal bankers to give you that extra product, to really, really work hard to get you into that fifth or sixth product, to really want you to get your mortgage or your extra credit card at Wells Fargo and not from some company that sent you a good rewards program in the mail. all that, that hard driving culture, is what made them so successful. The unwanted side effect of that was that their employees were so wired to get more products in the door that they went uh, that they went off the rails and did things they shouldn't have done.
0: Right. Yeah, and it's funny. You, Riley, you mentioned the, the whole idea of cross-selling being kind of like the, the supermarket, the grocery store. I mean, wasn't that the, the great promised banking model in the 1990s that blew up in 2008? Well no that, I think you're, you're thinking, have the banks be your one stop shop for No everything. I think you're
2: thinking you're conflating a little bit there you're thinking that the model of the late 1990s was the universal banking model and that was more on a corporate basis where a bank would do you know corporate banking it would do investment banking it would do insurance it was all these things right. cross so that that's not on, you know, the banks weren't put together in the late 1990s for selling to the likes of you and me. That was for like servicing IBM and GEs of the world. So I think, yeah. you know, this is different. This is, like I said, like you've got your checking account. Let's, you know, go ahead and try and get you to take your mortgage out with us. Yeah, and this is, a-
3: yeah, this is a Main Street issue. This is something that could take place at any regional bank, any any smaller bank, even a community bank could have these same issues. And that's why some of the senators and congressmen this week said, to the regulators, you should be looking at all the banks.
0: Well, let's and, and we have to wrap this up because we have to move on to Deutsche Bank. But, but what, yeah, what, what are the next steps after all
3: this? Well, one big thing that happened this week that kind of flew under the radar was that uh, Stump said for the first time that he got a call from Warren Buffett, which is the 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 largest shareholder in Wells Fargo. He's been a very supportive shareholder in the bank for a long, long time. And what Stump said was that Buffett told him, um, I'm sorry, Buffett said uh, later. Um, uh, on CNBC, that uh, that he told Stump, this is a bigger deal than than it seems you think it is, um, and so that's pretty telling, and it shows that Buffett is very concerned about this. Hmm. And so the question about the next step is, yeah. what does Buffett do with his shares? Can Stump get his investors to to calm down and and sort of? take a breath? Can you get customers and regulators and politicians to calm down and move to the next step? Or will it require new leadership at the bank for that to happen?
2: And the other big question is, as we all, you know, there's ongoing congressional investigations, state investigations, federal investigations, as well as investigations by the U.S. attorney's offices in three states. So this isn't sort of like, okay, they've done the hearings. That's the end of the story. It might not be as apparent in a public sense because you're not having hearings going on. Uh, but this is going to run for quite a bit more. And the board itself has now hired in, in, in law firm to do an independent investigation on the board's behalf. So both inside the company, outside the company, there's still a lot happening.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, let's leave it there. And you gentlemen, I'm sure, will be covering it. Yes, Baltimore, we will. <laughs> of course, as always. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to switch banking gears. Take a look overseas at Deutsche Bank. Don't miss it.
3: Hey, this is Stephen Pearlberg from the WSJ Media Mix podcast. Are you interested in the biggest changes in the media and advertising business from Facebook to Snapchat? Tune into the WSJ Media Mix podcast for interviews with some of the biggest names in media, from Gawker CEO Nick Denton to Turner President David Levy. For more, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts.
0: WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Money Beat Podcast. Just want to remind you, for more great podcasts that we have here at WSJ, check us out at wsj.com podcasts. We've got a lot of stuff out there for you to choose from. We've got the Money Beat Podcast. Of course, we already subscribed to that. There's Your Money Matters, the free-for-all, speakeasy, WSJ Opinion, tech news briefing, what's news heard on the street. You can follow us on Twitter at WSJ Podcasts. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and your Google Play Music app on your Android devices. We talked about Wells Fargo a few minutes there, and now let's switch gears. What we, th- this is what we have here, folks. We've got myself, Aaron Lucchetti, Dave Riley, and Eric Holm here in the studio in New York. And on the phone from London, we have our good friend James McIntosh, who has been following everything going on at Deutsche Bank. James, how are you?
4: Right. everything's good here apart from the uh, uh, possible implosion of the European banking system.
0: right well yeah let's let's see how, how should we go about this first off let's all right let's let's start here. let's start with this point because you wrote a column about this James so so let's talk about this one point. Uh, people are talking about this is what is happening at Deutsche Bank right now analogous to what happened at Lehman Brothers in 2008 or isn't it and, and what are the the differences?
4: Well, I mean, the, the simple answer is yes and no, um, as always. That's not sticks. a simple answer. Um, uh, the, uh, it, I think it's fair to say that since 2008, pretty much anything bad that's happened, people have said, oh, look, it's Europe's Lehman moment. Um, now, in the case of Deutsche, it's probably a bit more similar than most of the things that have been highlighted, but... It isn't a perfect analogy. Um, Let's start with where the analogy does work, which is that a whole bunch of hedge funds um, have been uh, pulling at least some of their money out of Deutsche, um, and some people are starting to get worried about Deutsche's uh, creditworthiness. And... It is true that any bank can have a run on the bank. Um, it's the, in the nature of banking, and it was hedge funds that were one of the big uh, groups that pulled money out of Lehman and caused, the, you know, triggered the downfall. The caused is not quite a fair word, but triggered the downfall there, um, along with uh, some of its banking counterparties and, and repo financiers. Uh, with Deutsche, uh, that's kind of where the where the analogy begins and makes people think, well, this is this is you know the beginning of a run. Um, uh, that's also where the analogy ends because there's quite a lot of mm. differences. Um, Deutsche is much much less reliant on these guys to provide it with day-to-day liquidity, uh, with day-to-day financing than Lehman was. So, Lehman was entirely wholesale financed. It didn't right, take right. deposits. It you know wasn't a a sort of traditional bank with branches. Um, um, Deutsch is, you know, best known for its big investment banking operations and that's also where it has a lot of its problems, but it also has a very large retail operation in Germany. Um, it's not very profitable, it's not the sort of thing you would want to have if you're a bank, but it does provide it with an awful lot of day-to-day cash. And uh, I mean, not only are there no signs of a run there, but it's it's very hard to imagine that that could happen unless things were an awful lot worse. So, Dave, um, uh, so.
3: James, this is Aaron uh, Lucchetti in New York. Uh, good column today. One question I had about it was: as you look at Lehman. Um, all these hedge funds were, were getting out, um, and after Lehman, many more hedge funds were, were getting out of, of their prime brokerage because they were concerned about um, the firms going under. Are, are the hedge funds that are getting out of Deutsche now, in, in your view, justified to do that? Is that prudent risk management, or you, know, you listed all these things that Deutsche has in its favor, a big retail presence, uh, investment bank, and so on. Are, are these hedge funds overreacting, or is this a, is this a smart move to make from a kind of prudent fiduciary
4: standard move? Well, start with just one thing I didn't mention. There is that Deutsche does also have two, or well at least at the end of June, in its last report, it reported it had 220 billion euros of liquidity, uh, which is kind of cash and things that can be almost immediately turned into cash that it's sitting on. So it can deal with really quite a lot of uh, uh, clients pulling cash before it hits, you know, deep trouble. Um, but anyway, that's that's uh, sort of a, more of the positive. Should you pull out? Well, the the problem with banks and the reason they're so vulnerable to runs is that you get if you're a customer you get very very little in the way of positive stuff from your bank there's always another bank that you could go to that would do pretty much the same at pretty much the same price um you know you might have some warm feelings about the the people you deal with and it may be inconvenient to move but if you don't move and a bank goes bust, the downside is massive. Whereas if you stick with them and they stay in business, the upside's very, very limited. You don't get a whole lot more there. So, what 2008 and the failure of Lehman taught hedge funds uh, was that it's much better just to jump ship at the first sign of any trouble. And of course, that's how banks always used to be for retail clients as well. It used to. Go back to the 19th century. You used to get runs fairly often on banks because the same logic applies to your savings account. But why James, why would you, God, why would you is, not move it? This is and that's the Dave problem. Is that this stuff becomes self-fulfilling?
2: And that's but, but I guess yet. when the when the big things and you touched on this a little bit is that you know the analogy isn't perfect here. And, and the biggest reason, of course is that with Lehman Brothers, it wasn't just a liquidity question. It was a solvency question. You just had assets on the books weren't worth what the firm said they were, and they weren't ever going to be worth that. With Deutsche, the question seems to center around a a much more immediate question, which is are they going to face a huge bill from the Justice Department for a legal settlement, and that blows a hole in their capital. But now it seems today like people are feeling a little bit better about that.
4: Yeah, to put it mildly, I mean, so the shares today, uh, I mean, you've got to laugh. Look at a share price chart. If you haven't right. seen a share price chart, go and look at a share price chart. It's just <laughs> pure comedy. So the shares today in Europe absolutely crashed following what had happened overnight in the U.S. market. Uh, shares opened down drastically. It was horrible. Everyone was saying it's going to be awful. These hedge funds are pulling their money. It's the end of the world. It's Lehman all over again. Uh, and then we had a, a, a bit more positive stuff. We had some reassuring vo- reassur- reassuring words from the... CEO, John Cryan, um, which which sort of halted the decline, shall we say. And there was a little bit of a pickup. People were saying, well, maybe it's not quite as apocalyptic as you think. And then this report comes out from AFP, um, Newswire Service, um, uh, an anonymous source, they say, which says um, that there's a discussion with the Department of Justice about settling this mortgage claim um, uh, for $5.4 billion. And the number that had been put on the table before, reported uh, by the Wall Street Journal a couple of weeks ago, was that it was at $14 billion. So that's a very big difference in price. And the shares from their low today are now up 18%. That was just a couple of minutes ago, just before we, we uh, uh, started recording. This is just, you know, people are really trigger happy here. Um, There's a lot of short covering going on. This is not
0: some tech startup. I mean, this is a a gigantic global multinational bank.
4: Yeah, remember his name is Germany Bank when you translate it. I mean, this is this is big. Actually, stuff though, here. keep
2: in mind it's not so gigantic in terms of market value.
4: Yeah, Deutsche yeah, Bank's true.
2: Yeah. market value, even if we're talking about today's gain, is only about sixteen billion euros. Yeah. Sure,
1: sure. But to, uh, to the point there, this is Eric Holm. Um, the, the the to the the point there about it being called Germany Bank. You also touched on that just a little bit in your column about the difference between what the Fed. Didn't do with Lehman, and what might happen, or what what resources might be available to Deutsche Bank. So, could you just touch on that too?
4: Yeah. So this again is, I mean, in addition to that, 220 billion of sort of cash on hand that they could they could pay out if if any you know if clients start leaving. Uh, they've also, because they're a very large bank with a proper uh, proper connection to the central bank. They effectively can use the central bank as a pawnbroker to turn their other assets into cash. Uh, now, you you might you know pop down and pawn your watch, at the, uh, you know, the week if your pay packet doesn't uh, doesn't stretch. Um, Deutsche can do that with all its holdings of bonds, with uh, lots of other stuff that it holds, and it, in an emergency it can do it with some stuff that normally the central bank wouldn't accept. So that adds. Uh, probably hundreds uh, of billions, maybe even more Hmm. than that, to the amount of of sort of easy cash it could get uh, in an emergency. So the idea that, you know, even hedge funds pulling billions of dollars out is the end of the world is probably exaggerated. Deutsche could could last for a very long time. Now, none of this is to say that it's good for Deutsche. Obviously, it hits their profits, which are uh, actually really the the cause of the problems here. Um, so I mean it may be worth just stepping back a bit and saying what's wrong with Deutsche and how is that different to Lehman so go back to 2008 Lehman it was becoming clear had some very very serious uh, dodgy investments it had a whole bunch of money in property stuff which everyone had realised wasn't worth anything like they thought it was uh, it just had two quarters in a row where it lost more than 10% of its shareholder um, equity in losses. One other in thing things
3: one other thing that's really important in Deutsche's favor right now is the macro environment is much better, I would argue, than it was in 2008 when when Lehman was going under. Um, the U.S. government had just sort of engineered a rescue of Bear Stearns, um, and while the German government is in no um, n- not at all eager to bail out Deutsche Bank. Um, other financial institutions are more healthy now than they were in 2008. And that would help if Deutsche tried to sell its large asset management unit, which could probably get a decent price tag and help out their capital if they needed to do it. And the German government said, you've got to do something and we're not going to bail you out. They they could do that. By comparison, in 2008, no one was buying anything, healthy assets, somewhat healthy assets, because everyone was just freaked out and scared. And there were a bunch of other firms that were larger than Lehman, like WAMU and Merrill and Wachovia and AIG and Morgan Stanley that were all teetering and no one was doing anything. So the macro environment is much better uh, doing. Which are probably even if their own house is not doing very well and their own profitability outlook is is negative, uh, there are a lot of other things that that could help them. You know that that, that raises a, that
0: brings up a thought in my mind. Something I wanted to talk about. Okay, so look, even a fourteen billion dollar judgment from Justice Department—that's a big number. I mean, that is not a small number. It's not an insignificant number. But from everything you're telling me about, it, it seems like. They should be able to weather even a number that big, one way or another. Why then is there just so much fear? And, and I'm wondering. And James, I want you to talk, you talk about this. You know, like uh, is this about more than just Deutsche Bank when you well, look at all you, the well, let European me jump in banks? Here, this is
2: something I, I think gets overlooked: is that they can't weather a 14 billion dollar number. They and can't. They, they can't because the simple fact is that a bank needs capital function. And Deutsche doesn't have enough capital; it's been undercapitalized and overleveraged for a number of years now. So a hit like this would just—they would have too thin a capital buffer. The regulators would have to act, Actually, and that's, that's not what,
4: quite true. Uh, um, no, I think it is, James. So
2: Take a look at what their capital levels are—not on what the regulatory capital is, but what investors are looking at today. Yeah, and you so look at that, and they have the lowest actual tangible equity ratios of any large institution in the world. And it's below what investors are willing to to finance.
4: Yes, but that's not the same as saying that they would be in a Lehman-type situation if there was a $14 billion hit. Well, if different. you
2: don't have sufficient capital so, to meet the regulatory minimums and investors aren't no, willing but to they finance you, still, then you are in
4: a Lehman situation. No, because they would still meet sure the regulatory Sure The minimum. market
2: is telling you that.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They would, no, no. <laughs> Look, no they would they still meet the James, regulatory James,
2: they can't minimum. weather a $14 billion but, hit. That's can, clear. Can the DOJ
3: yeah. really see an outcome where it – Fines Deutsche Bank fourteen billion dollars, and then it files for bankruptcy the next day. Is that yeah, what they really I mean, want to do? That's ridiculous. that's like in real yeah. in reality
4: probably not going to happen. But it, you see, a fourteen billion dollar hit wouldn't even take it to the point where the convertible bonds that it's the, the contingent convertible bonds, the COCOs, would be triggered. So it it's very yeah, it would be very is, bad you wouldn't, news you wouldn't but it's would have a, any well, well, let James value finish there. let James finish it's, this would trash their equity of course it would trash their equity they'd be for, they would have to raise new capital but it's not the same thing as going over their regulatory minimums and being wound how, up how to raise new happens. capital James because they because they still have equity who's going to so who's going to give them capital well, if you destroy your existing, you trash your existing shareholders in order to benefit the new shareholders. I mean, this is how rescue rights issues work. That's
2: I, what, what anyone's no going right? to buy in at this level. That's what the market is telling you.
0: Well, look, I, I, this is the question I really wanted to get at: whether or not Deutsche Bank can, can withstand the 14 billion fine, or whatever the fine is, and whatever the situation is. W- is this a one-bank situation or is this a wider situation? Because you look at everything that's happened in the financial sector here and in Europe. I know the state of European banks has been questionable for years. You're seeing a, a lot of fear around more than just Deutsche Bank. And my question is, why is that happening? Is that merely an overreaction? Do we have scars from oh eight that haven't healed? Or is there something really to be concerned about here?
4: I think there's a deep in in Europe. I mean, to to a lesser extent in the U.S., but in Europe, there's a, a twofold problem, which is that they, well, a threefold problem really. They they haven't dealt with. They've still got these big hangovers of pre-crisis problems, like this 14 billion uh, sort of uh, claim from the DOJ. Um, that's the sort of immediate sort of instant problem they've got. They've got a really long running profitability problem. These banks just haven't adjusted. There's too many banks, too many bankers and not enough uh, banking revenue to go around. And that's a very painful thing to adjust to. And there's, they're doing that. They've been laying people off, but it takes a long time. It trashes their profits. Of course, you trash their profits, it makes it very much harder to raise money from shareholders because who wants to invest in an unprofitable operation? that but- looks like it's going to be not very profitable for years and years to come. Um, and then the the third problem they have is, of course, that the European economy is just you know not very good, to put it mildly.
0: I'm sorry, was it was that just about Deutsche Bank you were talking about? No, there? this is no, this all... Europe. This okay, is Europe.
4: Europe as a whole, right? Yeah. Um, now Deutsche is the worst of that because you know, as you pointed out, it's got the weakest capitalization, It's got the um, pr- I mean pos- quite plausibly the worst business model. Um, uh, worst, maybe an exaggeration, as the Italians, but you know, a very bad business model here. Um, it's got a a, a you know, retail business in Germany that isn't very profitable either, and again, no one can see a route to turning that into the sort of cash cows that most banks' retail operations are. Um, so that's a that's a real a real issue for Deutsche, but the broader European problem is just that, look, there's there's too many banks chasing too little revenue, and Mm -hmm. something has to give, and whether what gives is a long, slow decline um, as they use their profits year after year to pay to lay people off rather than to... Uh, rather than to pay out dividends. I mean, that seems like a plausible outcome. Yeah. But, of course, it could end suddenly. If everyone says, well, this bank's going to be the loser and they're going to go bust because of it, that would be very nasty. And because people know this is the backdrop, they're more likely to worry that that might happen. And, of course, banking's a confidence game. You know, if you lose confidence in a bank, that that really is the end of the bank. Right.
0: It's uh, the Chuck Prince line about dance while the music's playing. Uh, any last thoughts? Anyone? Gentlemen?
3: Well, I think that that we've touched on the two banks today that are the, the most interesting to watch right now, um, and and there's going to be a lot of news on them in the next week or two. It'll be fascinating to see kind of how the DOJ plays this um, because they want to they want to treat the Deutsche Bank situation fairly. Because don't forget, they find. J.P. Morgan, and B of A, 15 to $20 billion, give or take. And so it would be in some ways unfair to let Deutsche walk away with a, with a small fine just because they're on a little bit of weaker footing. But on the other hand, I, I will repeat what I said before, they don't want a situation where they are seen as pushing single-handedly, which may or may not be fair, but that's how it would be viewed, pushing the German national banking champion into some kind of in, insolvency situation. And then tanking the market, too. Right. That's like shooting yourself in the foot. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Especially just before the election. Right, right.
0: All right. Well, uh, we will leave it there. Everyone, thank you for listening. Aaron Lucetti, David Riley, Eric Holm, James McIntosh, Paul Vigna. We have been uh, happy to have you with us, and we will see you next week. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs.
4: Drugs like Ozempic.
0: They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden—